One of the things you'll hear me say in here an awful lot is that it's uh, critical that we get some clarity personally on what it is we really believe is the purpose of life. Now, all of us in here probably have a belief. It might not be clear, but unless we go to our creator and ask the creator, what is the purpose of life? We're all pretty much guessing at it. Get a room full of 100 people, ask them what's the purpose of life. You'll probably come up with 100 different things. And most of those things will default to some version of, well, I just want to be happy. I want to be as happy as I can. The idea behind it is that we don't know how long we're going to be alive, and so we might as well make the best of it, be kind, good people, be, be happy. But the Scripture says something very differently. It says that, first of all, we're supposed to look at this life as a developmental platform that moves right into eternity, that we shouldn't be living desperately thinking that, you know, I don't know when I'm going to die, so i got to pack it all in now. Rather, it says that this life is meant to be, and this is where it gets serious and personal, until you and I agree with our Creator on this, we're going to live rather desperately, rather foolishly, we'll walk what Scripture calls in darkness. Now, we just came out of a series in which we made very clear from Scripture what God says is His eternal purpose, which then reveals to us what our purpose is. So let's take a look at that real quick. God's big plan is the development of an eternal family of Christ-like beings united in loving devotion to Christ and what is the last phrase? One another. We're going to be looking at the emphasis on that one another. So until you and I come to the conclusion that my primary purpose in life is to become a Christ-like version of myself. That's the purpose of my life, and that's going to carry right on into eternity. And in this purpose, I'm meant to live devoted to Christ and devoted to others in love. Unless we adjust ourselves to that purpose, we're, like I say, going to live rather haphazardly and rather, uh, you know, desperately at the same time. Now, if you take that as your purpose in life, then it's obvious that we are in a learning process. Life is meant to be a learning process. We're meant to not just live, we're all living. But the question is, is are we actually learning? And we're going to look at six different uh, critical ways that God sets up processes for us to live and learn. When we learn, we develop. We're made in the image of God. It's not like we're instinctive beings. You know, we don't just instinctively behave kind and unselfish and compassionately we have to think it through and decide if that's something we believe in enough that we want to be um, so life is meant to be this learning process and there's lots of different little steps that God has in this now today uh, we're going to look at one of his key ways to teach us for us to develop and it's by role models so to uh, introduce that today if you would just turn your attention to the screen we have a special actor Good morning and welcome to Live and Learn with Max. I'm your teacher, Max. Pledge allegiance to the flag. For the next six weeks, I'm imparting my wealth of intellect and insight. Why do teachers always have apples? That you will be inspired to Live and Learn. Live and Learn. To sit up straight and pay attention. I said. Now today, our subject is role model. According to Google, role model is a person looked to by others as an example to be imitated. Now some role models are good, like this lady, who devoted her whole life to helping the sick and poor. Ooh, good role model. But some role models are just 
bad. If you're imitating this guy. What? 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 You're surely losing. Some of are good most of the time, but we get deflated when they let us down. <laughs> Some people want to be a role model, even though they shouldn't be. And some people refuse to be a role model. Some people recommend someone else as a role model. If someone comes in on a wrecking ball, that should be your first clue. They are not a very good role model. So what did we learn from this today class? We learned that it is very confusing and we need some education. Education on this subject. So your teacher is going to turn this lesson over to your preacher so we can then learn the truth about role model. <laughs> So, role models. Uh, we've all had them. And one thing that we perhaps haven't thought about, we are all ones as well. Whether we think about it, whether we don't. Now, I, I want to add to Max's definition a little bit, role models. And so, we have a slide. Role models are meant to provide developmental instruction. As beings made in the image of God, we, we must learn things, you know, chronologically by experience. Developmental instruction and inspirational motivation. Role models, they move us from the heart. We see something in them that we just say, I, I like that. I want to be like that. And we just, by free will, we choose to start emulating and imitating what it is that we see in them. It is part of God's plan in our education, in our development. He instituted this thing of role models. We are dependent upon them. We come into this world, we don't know how to do anything whatsoever. And so from our earliest age, we're dependent on role models. Now, you know, this is a good time for us to, to pause and think about the role models that we have had in our life. And some of us, you know, faces come to mind right away. It could be a mom or a dad, um, could be an aunt or an uncle, a grandmother, a grandfather. It, it could be a teacher. It could have been some coaches. Could have been a neighbor in the neighborhood, but maybe there's some role model that you know they really had an impact on you and it was a positive impact and they still have a warm place in your heart. I'll just kind of toss this out. It might not be a bad idea to just shoot them a little note or give them a call or something like that if you think about it. Now, I also know that when I start talking about role models and that they are part of God's plan for our growth and our development and our learning, uh, to become this best Christ-like version of herself. I know that some of you, as soon as you hear the word role model, you're thinking, you know, all I can think of are painful experiences. All I can think of are the wrong kind of role models. Um, you know, that, that I feel like I was cheated. I never had the right sort of role models. And what about that, God? Um, people sometimes ask me about my, you know, upbringing, and I'll kiddingly say, well, I was raised by wolves, you know, and uh, the truth is, is I did not have any good role models. Frankly, it would have been easier to be raised by wolves, because I wouldn't have expected wolves to talk, you know, and, and some of the things that were said to me, I would have just soon not heard, and then some of the things I would have liked to have had said to me, like, I love you, I never got to hear. So, some of you I know, you, you, when you hear role models, you're, you're filled with pain, and you're probably filled with some anger, 
And maybe you feel like you've been irreparably damaged because your role models were not good role models. And here you sit today in a grown-up body, but you're a little kid in your soul that's still hurt and wounded and trying to figure out what it all means. We'll, we'll talk about bad role models a little bit as we go on. But let's just look at this thing realistically. Even though God has instituted this as one of the ways that we learn, it, it just looks like it's kind of a flawed process. And so it brings us to kind of ask this question, why would the Lord use developmental role models? Because you can have bad role models as well as good ones, like we said. So why would he do this? In other words, what was his intent? What's God's original intent in providing developmental role models in our lives as a way that we grow and learn and so forth? Well, let's look at a scripture from Matthew and think about God's uh, overarching intentions in so many of the things that he does. Uh, Jesus was asked a question by a man. It went like this. Jesus said to him, the guy asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the thing that you see is that God, who is defined in Scripture as love personified, he's trying to impart this to us, that we should be love-driven beings as well, that we're to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but then we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. All of our actions are supposed to be motivated by love, and role models are one of the ways that we receive love when we're young and fragile and needy, and being role models is the way that we develop love. You think about it. How many of you in here know how to ride a bicycle? Can I see your hands? Okay. Let me go on. How many of you can skate, roller skate? See your hands. Okay. How many of you know how to feed yourself? Can I see your hands? <laughs> Do you know how you learn that? All those things, those three skills? And I could go on and on. You learned it by doing it. Yes, somebody might have give, given you a little coaching, but that, you, you know, you can read all the books you want about riding a bike and read all the books you want about, you know, roller skating and read all the books you want about eating, but unless you get in there and start working that fork, you know, you're not going to catch it. And, and so, so many of the virtues, capacities, Christ-like characteristics and traits that God wants for you and I to develop in this life, they won't happen. They will never develop. They will never occur unless we start doing these things. We, in other words, you have to start deliberately loving to become more loving. You have to start caring to become more caring. You, you have to start being more compassionate before you will become more compassionate. This is the way God's wired us. He wants our growth and our development to come from our hearts that we see a certain trait, we see a certain virtue or capacity, and we desire it, and we cooperate with God in its development. And so role modeling, first of all, when we're, when we're receiving from others role models, it helps us to grow. We're being loved. But then as role models, and we all are role models to someone, we are stretched because when you're a role model, you have to think beyond your own desires. As a role model, you, you have to consider the people that you are role models for. You have to consider what impression it's making on them, what impact. It causes you and I to deny ourselves in many cases because we think, I, I can't really do that. I can't really say that because it could somehow confuse or hurt somebody that looks to me as a role model. It takes us out of ourself, in other words, and that's the way of love. 
Uh, God's love is always about less of myself and more of considering others. There's a great verse from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 that kind of uh, brings this all together. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, 5, it goes like this. It says, our teaching. So here's the Apostle Paul, and he's saying, you want to know what all of our teaching is about? He says, let me summarize it. Our teaching about this journey, meaning the whole developmental journey through life, our teaching about this journey, it's intended to bring us to a single destination. What is that single destination, Paul? What is it? A place where self-giving love, unselfish love, self-giving love reigns from a pure heart. A pure heart meaning I'm not doing it to con you, manipulate you, get something back from you. I'm just doing it because it's right. From a pure heart and a clean conscience. I'm not doing it because I'm trying to make up for past misdeeds or sins. It's, my conscience is clean. I'm just doing this because it's right. I'm unselfishly learning to love. And a genuine faith. I'm, I'm learning to love unselfishly because I actually trust God. I trust Christ. And I see this unselfish love in Him. And I believe the whole universe desperately needs to be uh, inhabited by people full of God's unselfish love. I believe that's the only way that life can possibly work. And so the end of all God's commandments are to bring you and I to this place of being unselfish lovers, loving Christ, loving God with all our heart, loving one another. And role modeling does this for us. It stretches us. It takes us out of ourselves. We can't just do what we want, when we want, how we want. We have to think about the impression we're having on others. And we are all role models. And we all have role models as well. Listen one more from Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus said this. He said, in the same way, you should be a light for other people. That's written to everyday, ordinary, imperfect followers of Christ. It's saying that, that we, me, you, we're to be lights to other people. Listen, we have way, way, way too much of the idea that, that the only thing that matters to God is what we believe in our heads and not what we live out in our lives. And I'm not saying that you guys think that way, but too many people think that way. Jesus is saying just the opposite. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. They ought to see something. Live so, this calls for conscientious, intentional thinking. Live so that they will see the good things you say and talk about. Is that what it says? The good things you what? Do, do. Talk is cheap, right? Unless it's followed by actions. Live so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. We're to behave in such a way that people recognize the distinction, the difference, and it causes them to have a favorable view toward God because they look at us and they say, man, if that person's a worshiper of God, if they're a follower of Christ and that's the way they live, then, then, then that's pretty cool. I, I want to look into that. We're meant to stimulate and stir people by the way that we live. That's, that's role modeling. We are meant to give developmental instruction to people by the way that we live. We are meant to inspire them motivationally by the way that we live. That's what role modeling is about. Now, I mentioned earlier, uh, what happens, though, if role modeling breaks down? And truth be told, there's some of us in here that um, we do feel cheated we do feel confused. We do feel, truth be told, a little angry, maybe even angry at God. We feel cheated that, you know, we didn't get the kind of role models that express the love of God and the consistency and the balance and the grace and tenderness of God. We feel like we just kind of had to fend for ourselves to survive. And we're a little ticked off to this day. And some of us might even feel that we have been irreparably damaged. And this is just it for us. And people have to understand that, that I, I was damaged too young. You can't expect much from me. 
And I just want to give you my personal testimony. You, you just deal with this the way you want. I'm not going to go into every detail of what my life was like, but I can tell you one thing. As bad as my upbringing was, as bad as my role models were, and they were all bad. I didn't have any good ones. And I became a bad kid, okay? But when I did become a bad kid, I was absolutely clearly responsible. I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew right from wrong to a great degree, and I chose the wrong. We hear too much of this stuff that, oh boy, if you didn't have good role models, if you weren't loved and coddled and hugged and all this stuff when you were a kid, then naturally you're going to grow up and be a delinquent, and naturally you can't help yourself being a, a deeply troubled adult. That is just nonsense. If you want to embrace that and limp your way through life, you're just imprisoning yourself. Because I can tell you, God can more than compensate for the bad role models and the bad experiences that you and I had. I look back at my life. There were all kinds of people that God kept throwing in my life, even as a child. But I just wasn't interested. I, I wanted to go my own way and do my own thing. But I was responsible. I, I wasn't some product of my environment. So if you're here and you're still licking your wounds and thinking that you're irreparably damaged, I am begging you, don't believe that. Don't cheat yourself because God is more than able to surround you, immerse you with role models that can, that can help reparent you. The truth be told, uh, I've been a follower of Christ now 43 years. I was reparented by people like you. I've, I've been reparented by God's church, his people. If we humble ourselves, if we open ourselves to it, there's more than enough good role models that God will provide. But let me tell you the story of one guy. He's a rather famous guy from the NFL. His name is Demarius uh, Thomas, great wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. And, and I'm going to read this so that you can just hear his own story. He says when he was 11 years old, um, his mother was arrested when he was 11, and she went to prison. At that time, his father was in the military, meaning his blood father. He had a stepfather. So his mother and his stepfather and his grandmother, which were his role models and caretakers, were all in jail. From that day on, 11 years old, he said, I was basically an orphan. I came home from school that day and I thought, where do I go now? Now, eventually, he made it through high school and college, but he goes on to explain how. He says, people think orphans are kids whose parents have died, but 80% of the orphans in the world have at least one parent who is alive somewhere. There are millions of kids just like me all across the United States, hundreds of millions all over the world. We rely on the kindness and the couches of other people to get us through the day. I had multiple high school coaches who looked out for me, multiple college coaches, deacons, pastors, aunties, uncles, friends. If even one of those people had let me slip, would you even know my name? Maybe not. He goes on. He says, I talked to a lot of kids who have parents in prison or who have left them when they were young for one reason or another. And he says, I know their anger and I know their pain and I know their fear and I especially know their loneliness. They just want somebody to say, I care about you. But that doesn't happen enough. And so they are troubled. As men, as athletes, he goes on to say, and I will share this one on the board. As men, as athletes especially, we don't like to talk about love. We talk about brotherhood and all that, but not love. But the most important thing in a child's life, it is love. More important than the kind of school you go to or what neighborhood you live in, or even if you grow up around drugs and violence. If you are loved, you'll make it out. 
And I just want to say that no matter how poor your and my role models may have been, God inhabits this world. His people are all over. And there is more than enough love offered by God through his people to compensate for all the lousy role models and hurtful, damaging experiences that you and I could ever have if we'll, if we'll open our hearts to that, if we'll access that. There was another survey done by Esquire magazine. Uh, they asked 50 men. These were athletes, politicians, actors, business leaders. Who made you the man that you are today? Here was Tyler Perry's answer. He said, my next door neighbor very early on, Mr. Johnson, was the kindest, most gentle man I've ever met. And he was the first person to actually see me. Not even in my house. This may be you. Not even in my house did I exist. But when he looked at me, he let me know that I was alive and I had a voice. And i got to be honest with you. I look back in my life, my childhood, and it was bad. But there were people. I can look back now. I can see faces of people. They did reach out to me. God's love was there. It was available. I just didn't want it at the time. But it was there. And I bet you... I'll bet you if you look back, I'll bet you it might be a neighbor or a friend or somebody, but it was there, and maybe for whatever reason you didn't take it at the time, but it doesn't mean you can't take it now. You can be reparented. You can have role models. God's children are, are great role models. God's house are full of role models at all different stages of maturity and development of life, and there's always somebody that you can learn to uh, follow God's original design from. So let me give you this, this statement, and... Uh, I goofed this up in the first service, so let me get you dramatically with this one. There you go. Faithfully embracing the privilege. First of all, being a role model is a privilege. This is a God-given privilege, and all of us are role models. You can't get ahead of it. You can't be like Charles Barkley and say, I'm no role model. You are a role model. God will hold us to that. Faithfully embracing the privilege and responsibility of role modeling brings healthy development. To ourselves, because when I, when I take it upon myself and realize God intends me to be a role model, I must start being stretched and stop being so self-absorbed and selfish. I have to start considering how my influence is affecting others. That stretches me in a good way. It also blesses the others that I now become a good role model for. And so this is good for us. It brings healthy development when we embrace being the role models that we were designed and destined to always be. See, God's making this family. Remember we read that in the beginning? And this family is meant to love Christ and love one another. And this is one of our early learnings that he gives us to depend on one another and to care for one another. Uh, so role modeling is something we, we all are and all receive. Now, I'm going to spend the rest of the time in the message uh, sharing what I consider some critical traits of role modeling. Because Almost all the role models we have today, they, they emphasize things like talent or achievement, uh, things that just get you a better living in life or more power or more influence. They don't really emphasize what God does, which is about character and the development of our Christ-like character in particular. So if you don't mind, we're going to turn to one book. We're going to look at several passages real quick. Go to the book of 2 Timothy, and this will be page 1342. And those Bibles near you on the chair. And do turn there because I'm going to look at several passages 2 Timothy, it's page 1342, and we were asking the question, what would the Lord desire in developmental role models? We're going to see what traits does he desire in developed role models. 
Now, when you get to 2 Timothy, give you a little context. This is the end of the Apostle Paul's life. Uh, he has thir- served Christ now for over 30 years. He is about to be uh, martyred by Nero. It's 67 AD when you write th- get to this book. And he's now writing his last letter to his, his kind of son in the faith, a young guy named Timothy. He met Timothy 17 years earlier in the book of Acts, chapter 16. You can read it on your own sometime. And he has been mentoring and role modeling for Timothy all these years, 17 years. And now he's going to kind of pass the baton to Timothy to take over the leadership in the kingdom of God. So let's start in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 to just get orientation. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to further the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear child. Notice Paul takes the responsibility that, yeah, I was a spiritual father to you, Timothy. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now drop down to verse 5. You'll find something interesting. He says, I recall your sincere faith that was alive first in your who? Grandmother Lois. And in your who? Mother Eunice. And I'm sure it's in you, says Paul. So, So Paul is going back and he's looking at role models. He's saying, Timothy... I know who you are, man. I've known you 17 years, and I know where you got your start. Your grandmother was a great role model. She was an early follower of Christ. And even though you had no male influence in your life, it's always absent, no male influence in Timothy's life, you had a grandmother that knew God. And you had a mom that knew God. And they influenced your life. And and then the Lord allowed me, Paul is saying in in essence, to come along and And have the privilege of taking it a step further. So here we see these early role models. Let's look at chapter 2. I'm I'm sorry. Look at verse 13 in chapter 1 first. And then uh, uh, he he says to Timothy, Hold to the standard of sound words that you heard from me and do so with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So here's Paul saying, Timothy, 17 years now, man, you've heard the way I conduct myself. You hear what I teach. He says, you hold to those words. He's saying, yes, I'm your role model, and you're going to do well if you hold to my words. Go to chapter 2. He wants to urge Timothy to, to pass the baton. So you, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and entrust what you heard me say in the presence of many others as witnesses to faithful people who will be competent to teach others as well. So he's saying to Timothy, he says, look, Timothy, you know what I did for you, man. You know how I've taught you and role modeled for you and mentored you all these years. You've got to find some faithful people. You've got to find some hungry soul people. You've got to find some eager followers of Christ, and you've got to do the same thing for them. Have you ever found one person in your life, just one, if, if, if you leave this life and you say, I may not have done as much as I like to do, but I passed my faith on to one person. And I mentored them, and I taught them, and I worked with them, and I problem-solved with them, and I helped them through the stages of growth and development. Is there just one? I promise you, if you pray and ask God for one person like that, and you start seeking earnestly, I promise you, God will provide that. And and we all ought to want that. He says to Timothy, man, you got to find some people with hungry souls that you can pass it on, just like I passed it on to you. Notice the role-modeling baton is meant to be passed on. Let's look again. In chapter 3, at verse 10 and 11, now he starts really laying down a lot of traits of of what a role model, a developmental role model ought to have. He says in verse 10, you, however, have followed my teaching. Role models should provide some teaching 
and my way of what? Life. As a role model, people ought to be able to see our way of life. And that should guide them toward Christ-like growth and development. He says, you don't, not only saw my way of life, you saw my purpose. They ought to be able to see you and I and say, I know what your purpose in life is. Your purpose in life is to honor God and bless people. I see it all the time. He says, you know my way of life. You know my purpose. You know my faith. People ought to be able to look at us and say, I can see that that person trusts Christ. They trust Christ when things are good. They trust Christ when things are bad. They trust Christ in everything. They seek God. They seek his word. They put it into practice. He says, you saw my faith. And then he goes on, my patience, my love, my endurance. So these are traits that good role models ought to have. They ought to be able to look at our lives and see our patience. They ought to be able to see our love, our, our unselfish concern for human beings. And then our endurance, a faith that has gone through the fire, a faith that has been tested, a faith that has not always had things the way that it wanted to, but stayed faithful to Christ, faithful to God's word. These are the traits that good role models are able to pass on. And so you and I can look at this list and say, yeah, I want to develop in this way. I, I, I want my way of life and my purpose and my faith and my patience and my love and my endurance. I want, I want to develop these things so that anyone that is around me sees me, they'll benefit from the kind of role model I am. One more time, emphasis. God is not really that concerned with what we believe in our heads. He is very concerned with what goes through our head to our heart and comes out through our life. If we're not living it, it doesn't mean an awful lot. So role modeling is an action-oriented thing. Listen to these words that just sort of reinforce from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul once again. He says, hey, look, follow my example. You and I, you're thinking, but, but Randy, I'm just an imperfect person. I'm in growth. I mean, so is Paul. He was imperfect too. But we should be shooting at perfection. We should be moving. We should be growing. We should be different, progressively more Christ-like with each year, each decade, and so forth. Follow my example just as I follow the example of Christ. So everybody has a good role model with Christ. Brothers and sisters, join together in following my example. Here we see it again, role modeling. Also learn by watching those who are living the way you showed. We learn by watching one another. One of the great things about growth groups and things like that and, and team involvement is you, you start watching the way other believers actually live out their faith. And you know and I know that motivates us, that inspires us, that teaches us. That's all God's plan. Let me close with um, emphasizing one aspect of this. We, we talked about the fact that we all have had role models, both good and bad, and we are role models. The only question is, is what kind of a role model we are. Um, 2008, the Beijing Olympics, uh, the United States in the four by 100 meter uh, relay race, you know, this is that race where, you know, you got four runners, they're going 100 meters, and they have to pass the baton to the next runner. So here, here these guys are, Olympic athletes, hundreds if not thousands of hours of training and rehearsal for one event, this big event, the world watching. And so the United States is always usually, you know, thought to be the favorites in almost any Olympic event, and sure enough, they were with this too. Well, as the runners started, here's what actually occurred. Here's a picture of it. And if you look where that ring is, that's the baton 
that little one foot long baton that the one runner in the relay has to pass successfully into the hands of the other. Now they try to do this without losing momentum, without losing speed. And the United States Olympic male team dropped the thing on the ground. Well, the women followed that role model and they dropped it on the ground too. They dropped their baton. And so it was a disaster, a fiasco. It, it, it caused a, a whole new way of looking at training them for this event. But, but they failed to pass on the baton. I am a role model and you are a role model. You can't be like Charles Barkley and just say, I don't want to be a role model. It doesn't matter. We are. You've had some good role models, and you can have wonderful role models if you'll choose them and make yourself accessible to them. You can find them in, in Christian books. You can find them in the church. You can find them all over the place. The, the question, though, is that thing about passing the baton. From what I am empowered to do, in, in my consciously trying to pass the role modeling baton onto somebody else in my mentoring in my nurturing in my passing on everything that God's taught me brought to develop in me am I trying to pass that on to someone else or have I dropped the baton would it stop with me if our Christian experience is pretty much just about you and God and getting your needs met for this day this week this month then it's a deficient, it's a deficient idea. Remember what God's trying to develop us to be this loving family of Christ-like people devoted to Christ and devoted to one another. And this role modeling thing, man, it, it releases something. It, it gets us growing. It stretches us. It, it forces us to be unselfish. And unselfish people are beautiful people. It doesn't happen all at once. It's a process. So what are we doing with this role modeling thing? First of all, have you sufficiently, through Christ, processed any anger, any bitterness, any wounds, any scars that bad role models have brought to your life? If you haven't, you don't have to continue to live that way. You don't have to continue to limp through life that way. Um, Christ can more than compensate and take you to the developmental level he intends. Second question have we seen ourselves before? Have we, have we been intentional with the thought that I'm a role model and because of that I have to start thinking about the way my life, my behavior, my purpose, my patience, my endurance, my faith, how that might be affecting others. That's a good place for each of us to start. And then just maybe in this room somewhere today there's somebody that uh, you've never really put your faith in Christ. You've never become his follower and you can't really be the kind of role model that God intended or develop the way he wants until you take that first step. You've got to be humble. You've got to be teachable. And it starts with putting your faith in Christ, the creator of the universe, and the one who died on the cross to express his love for you. Maybe today, maybe today, you're going to be wise and courageous and humble and put your trust in Christ and become his follower. If you do that, he assures you that your sins are forgiven. He assures you you have eternal life in his kingdom. And he'll show you how to be a role model. And he'll immerse you with good role models too. So whatever you need to consider today, let's, let's pray. Father, you see our hearts. And you know some of us struggle greatly with this thing of role models we've had. May you free our hearts today to, to have our eyes open to see all the wonderful role models that you have made available for us. Help us to humbly embrace them. And then teach us to be 
the role models that through you, Lord Jesus, we absolutely can be. It's in your name we pray.